Well, hello there, listener, and welcome to Better Than Fine. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall, and today I'm going to kick off the episode doing something I haven't done before on the show. Uh, I'm going to call myself in a little bit. Uh, And if you're not familiar with that term, you've probably heard of calling people out. Uh, It happens every day on Twitter. If you're not really sure, go look at some trolls. Uh, It's pretty obvious when we're calling someone out, like telling them they're wrong and maybe shaming them a little bit. But when we call someone in, it's an invitation to think about things that they maybe haven't had to consider before. And oftentimes that calling in is meant to be an invitation of open-heartedness and open-mindedness to have a conversation that grows that person a little bit. And you know, I'm starting off today by calling myself in because before I'd met today's guest, I, I'd never met a black Pilates instructor before. And that in itself, isn't the thing. The thing is, I'd never thought about it before. And to me, the fact that I'd never had to think about it before is the nature of privilege. And that's a big word for a lot of people. They react to it really strongly. It's not meant to be like that. It's meant to be a calling in, an invitation to myself to be like, hey, you spent a decade in the fitness industry. You spent how long in the wellness space? And you never had to think about the diversity of the practitioners around you, right? Like that is that is a privilege that I've had as someone in the space and as a consumer in the space. So maybe it doesn't sound like a big deal to you at first, but think about this. If you're a fan of the show, if you've been in fitness or wellness and consuming those industries, how often do you get to learn from people who are like you? People who look like you, they have similar educations to you. They feel like you in a variety of ways. And what would it take for you to reach beyond that similarity to someone who wasn't like you and maybe even didn't feel like you were welcome in that space? You know, we're all learning and growing in environments that subtly and unconsciously tell us what is or isn't for us. And in wellness specifically, that means it's dictating how we take care of ourselves and what we think is going to be the right thing to help us have a better life which is why I've invited today's guest to join me. So today's guest is Tasha Edwards. She is a personal trainer, a group fitness instructor many times over, board certified as a health and wellness coach. She's got a master's degree in counseling. She uses all of that background, her background in sociology, psychology, to fuel her passion to make a difference by making all of these tools accessible and expanding access and is include and inclusion, which is why I've asked her to join me today. Tasha, welcome to Better Than Fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was like, oh, she's talking about me. Like, I sound pretty <laughs> awesome. You are pretty awesome. I find you yeah. very awesome. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, thank you for sharing with me as you have and we prep for the show. But Please, for the listener, can you share with us a bit about your journey into this wellness space, how you got here, and and the way that story fuels your passion for fitness and wellness? Um, It's such a multi-level story. Um, I actually got into health and wellness because I went from being a single parent of one kid to moving to another city after getting remarried and then having another kid. Then I was a stay at home mom and I was studying massage therapy because I wanted to do something. I had been running a nutrition education program for one of the local universities and I got in a car accident and 
with two small kids, my husband had to come home um, to help me. And so on day two, he's an engineer. They were like, we're sorry, your wife is injured, you're fired. Uh, So, yeah, so we ended up losing our house, having to file bankruptcy. And so we moved to Alabama because he's from here and his cousin had a company, he had a job offer. And I took a job at the gym selling memberships. I took my master's degree and went and made five fifteen an hour because I wanted to finish losing my baby weight and why not work at a gym? And 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 that's that's really how it started, technically. But when I think about my path, it was like it was just another step. Like it was always meant to be that way. You know, it's like started from the bottom now we're here like that's how it (laughs) that that's how it 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 went once I got in that position and I was able to look behind me in front of me I was like okay I was born to do this Mm. you felt that sense of calling right Um, and I know so many people who like join the gym so I could have you know I'm going to work at the gym get the free membership and then have that moment of being called into the work Uh, do you want to speak a little bit about what Mm -hmm. that felt like for you yeah, it was just like a culmination of of my life. So I grew up in a housing project in Chicago. And so, you know, thoughts of knowing what it was like to go to the the health department, you know, um, neighborhood clinic and knowing that my family had all of these issues and, and um, medical challenges. And so, but when I was nine, I couldn't afford to, my parents couldn't afford to send me to dance lessons. And so I watched a lot of Soul Train and stuff like that. And <laughs> and I created, when I was nine, I created my own dance team. I picked the music. I picked the choreography. I asked the our leaders at the Boys and Girls Club to buy uniforms where we were able to be in the Bud Billiken Parade in Chicago. And it was like, I always had this sense of teaching, but I was always, I don't want to use the word deficit, but it was like, I was always the underprivileged one. And Mm. so a lot of times those skills didn't translate to people who had more than me because they had no reason to listen to me, you know? And so my friend's grandma told me one day we're in the car, like I I was in my twenties. I still remember where we were driving when she said it. And she said, you were meant to be a teacher. And I started laughing because I was like, I don't do kids. You know, because in my mind, that's what teacher means. And I spent a year in divinity school. I worked at an herbs and vitamin store after my husband lost his job, you know. And so when I thought about all of that on top of the counseling degree, on top of the family history and knowing what we were up against, it was like one day, like, boom, these people aren't getting what they need. And selling them a membership is not the, the, the answer to their problem. I can do more. That's how yeah, I hear so much alignment in what you're describing, right? This background of giving information, leading, right? Like I, I hear your bio and I hear leader in the space, right? Here's somebody who has had every opportunity to make a different choice, but those choices have led you into a place that you are leading others, mm-hmm. but didn't have a good label for it. 
until, you know, whatever divine forces put you in the space that you felt things click into place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even then it was like, um, flying blindly, you know, um, I worked at the desk. It wasn't like the fitness instructor necessarily stopped and, (laughs) and talked to me and befriended me. You know, I didn't know any fitness instructors and I kind of fumbled I mean, fumbled my way through and, you know, not seen as legitimate or whatever legitimate means, because what legitimate meant was I had the money to pay for the expensive certifications and the cute clothes. And the that was what legitimate meant. Mm-hmm. Back then. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of legitimate uh, listener, you are listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Marshall. My guest is Tasha Edwards. And if you need any dedication to her legitimacy, two decades of experience in the fitness and wellness space, she's got over 30 certifications. uh, So certainly found her way there. But what we're talking about right now is being in the fitness space. You know, you had talked about what these, what these people need is not necessarily memberships. They need so many more things. And you were talking about your own experience of growing up in Chicago, having to go to the public clinic, not necessarily having access to health services, definitely not having a fancy gym membership. Right. Um, but I think it leads me into this, you know, kind of what, kind of what we're here to talk about, which is diversity mm-hmm. in the wellness space. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to call it out. Most practitioners mm-hmm. and most consumers of wellness content are white women in their middle age. Um, and I should say white cis women in their middle age, which is not mm-hmm. necessarily the best use of all of the information in wellness. Do you want to speak to yeah. why does that matter in your mind? It matters. I'm about to go very Chicago. One oh, go, go um, all the way. <laughs> so I'm a fan of Good Times, the TV show in the 70s. And James Evans has a quote that said, if you ain't been where I've been, how can you understand or tell me where I'm going? You know what I'm saying? You know, and so it is to, we teach what we know. And because that space has been dominated by a certain group, not not just white cis women, but also thin, you Mm. know? And so, and, and, and wellness, until recently we're getting better but wellness was was like for the privilege you know like when you're thinking about survival thriving is not on your list you know like you don't have time to sit down and read you know the next self-help book because you're trying to help better your circumstances in everyday life you don't have time to read about someone else's story who hasn't been where you are, you know, or um, someone who had a trust fund and was able to start a business as opposed to starting from nothing, not knowing enough, being seen as different and still trying to create something because you know there are people just like you who are waiting for you to show up in the space so that they can identify themselves in the space, you know? And so the important led by you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because it, it makes a difference. There's a, when we're coming into something new, you know, as personal trainers, group fitness instructors, health coaches, people trust us. And if you are used to not seeing anyone who looks like you, you're suspect. 
you know, there's a certain level of trust that when a black woman or a, someone in a larger body comes in and they catch eye contact with me, it's like this silent understanding, like an exhale, really. Like, I'm safe oh my here. God. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because as uh, Jessica Van, she does a lot of uh, DEI work, but she says a safe place, it's, it's not a location, it's a feeling. Mm. You know, um, and so we've taken that term and just like tossed it around like Play-Doh, like we can make this a safe space. No, not if your whole idea behind that is aesthetics and, you know, making sure everybody has on t-shirts instead of a tank top. You know, it's, it's a feeling. It's about the culture that you create and it can feel scary when, when you have to be the first, which I have been in a lot of more situations than I would have liked to, but you can't speak to my experience based on something you read in a book. Like good times isn't even real, but people ask me all the time, did you grow up in the projects that are on good times? And I have to say good times was filmed in Hollywood. It was filmed in Hollywood, you know? And if you haven't had to, to deal with that and just to go like real deep, like real quick, I'm about to take a squirrel. Um, oh. When when George Floyd, the, the killing of George Floyd happened, that's like, we blew up. And the point that I made that made, not just about wellness, but in general, that made so many people in my space go, was I said, have you ever had to talk to your teenage son about what to do if he gets pulled over by the police? And that like, I was like, we're not the same. I don't see color. Well, I wish you would. <laughs> then if you saw color, you would understand that there's a different set of circumstances, a different culture, a different history, different background, um, different priorities, different starts in life in this country. If you saw that, then you would respect that instead of saying we're, we're equal because then you tend to believe that I should be well and I have access to vitamins and all this kind of stuff because you do. Yeah. And how could I, as a practitioner, not understanding any of that nuance, sit here and tell you what you're going to eat, what your meditation practice should be, what time you should be going to sleep. If you're off worried about your son or your cousin or whomever, mm -hmm. I'm not going to have an understanding of that information. So maybe I can make the container, but that container may not feel safe to your point. Exactly. But that, that holding space is really what the health coaching aspect is about, because that's how we learn. You know, everyone wants a reading resource list. The best way to learn is to have conversations with the people who are in spaces with you, you know, um, and as opposed to feeling like you're going to be wrong and not asking, you're still, it's still a privilege to say, well, I'm not going to even discuss it because I, I don't, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to offend anyone. No, mm. sometimes like showing your ignorance and saying, I really don't understand, you know, that stepping out of that privilege, you have the privilege to turn your back and not have it affect you for the rest of your life, you know, or there's a privilege in sitting in the house, ordering 20 books on Kindle and reading about it, but still not having any interaction with anyone who's different than you. Yeah. You know, I mean, or the privilege crazy. of, I'm, I'm so sorry to have spoken over you. Please continue. No, no, go ahead. 
No. I was going to say the, the privilege of just being able to, oh, I want to, I want to be a health coach now. I'm going to oh, go gosh. buy that cert. I want to be a corrective exercise specialist. I'm going to go buy that cert. And to, oh, I, I can't afford the cert and my rent. I'm going to just ask my parents for help. Um, you know, there's layers and layers, or maybe it's not even your parents. Maybe it's just that you could get a credit card or whatever that would then allow a practitioner to have access to the information, the certification, the hiring, you know, all of the different layers that then create the industry that are barriers for entry for diversity. Yeah, that, so I will tell you, you know, body width and the, the body keeps score. Yeah. Like that, like hit me in my gut so deep because that was part of my barrier. You know, like when I started teaching yoga, Bittor was doing like a $99 certification. It was all I could afford. And I was not seen as legitimized because I did not have the money to take off and fly to Costa Rica <laughs> and stay there for three weeks. Or Bali. Top of doing yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have it. You know, like how I got my books was that I, I, I became an eBay junkie. And so I would buy everything I could. A lot of times the books were one cent you know, or, what, or whatever, it, we didn't have all the resources that we have right now. And actually, that's how I met Kelly McGonigal. Mm. Because uh, Kelly McGonigal was doing, this was before she was Dr. Kelly, she was doing like this online, like forum or whatever for people who were learning yoga or whatever. And that's how I met her because I was so desperate for for resources, you know, and now looking at there was a meditation certification i have two but sometimes we do get caught up in that legitimate which one mm -hmm. that certification was 10 g's you know and i have been told by like when i went to institute of integrative nutrition over a decade ago um there was a girl who wanted to sell me this package every health coach needs a health coach you're right unless you're not making money but her <laughs> sessions were like, and this is 2010, 2011, they were 350 an hour. Ooh. And her suggestion to me was to defer my car note. Mm. Yeah, just defer on your debt. You're fine. Your health is yeah. important. Oof. Yeah. That's some entitlement right there. Yes. Listener, you are listening to Better Than Fine. My guest is Tasha Edwards. We are talking about diversity in the wellness space. Uh, and Tasha is the executive director of See Her Healthy. It's a nonprofit that brings access to resources that support women's health, regardless of their situation, as we dive into a variety of situations. And, you know, what we're talking about here, this entitlement and privilege piece, you know, what I'm hearing is someone who, in this example, wasn't actually holding the container for you <laughs> to explore what's going to be best for you. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing that I hear as you describe, like, okay, you already have two meditation certifications, but the feeling for a third, I think the other thing that often comes up when we are, when we have that feeling as a practitioner that we're not legit enough, right? Like as, as somebody mm -hmm. with a chronic illness who is in a plus size body, I have often had the feeling like I don't look like a fitness professional. I don't look like a wellness mm -hmm. professional. And that creates in mm -hmm. me this feeling of imposter syndrome. Like I'm not good enough because I'm a big girl. Mm -hmm. um, and I know for me, that meant that I hunted more certs. 
Um, mm -hmm. Do you see that happening as well as a way to force legitimacy? Like, look, I'm, I'm in the space. I've got all these letters next to my name. It proves that I belong here. Um, as opposed to somebody who just looks really good on the gram. Yeah. And there's an extra layer to that because when you're black, you're, you're like, you're raised to say, you know, like you always have to be three or four times as good to even mm -hmm. be seen as equal, you know? And so it was always that work harder, work harder, work harder, because it was easy to overlook me because I didn't fit the stereotype of, of who was in wellness. And so I spent my entire life in magnet schools. And so that's what you learn. You do the most, you do the most, you do the most. And in order to be seen in this space, it wasn't enough for me to say, I'm gonna go teach yoga because they didn't want me to teach yoga anyway. And yoga teachers that I didn't even know in the city hated me mm -hmm. because I wasn't legitimate. Well, in order for the black girl who's now on staff to be legitimate, that means I don't have to learn how to teach yoga. I need to teach yoga, Pilates, step, kickboxing, take her turbo kick. Then I need to learn Zumba. I need to do body pump, body jam. And that's really how it started because it was like, if someone found a way to deny me, I always had like another rabbit to pull out of the hat. I'm like, oh, mm. you don't need another uh, body pump teacher, but I teach step, you know? And it was like, I don't teach hip hop. Like, by the way, <laughs> by the way, I don't teach hip hop. I got that all the time. I don't, I yeah. teach, I teach dance, but I, 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 I don't teach hip hop. Um, that expectation you know, stereotyped of like, oh, you're the black group fitness instructor. You do hip hop. Of course you teach hip hop. Of course you do. You know, and I like, roll. No. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy. And, I find that there are a lot of white women who have come into my space that it, they were attached to me, but it wasn't like personal. They were attached to me. It was like they wanted to deal with their guilt by saying they were my friend, mm. you know, like wanting to spend hours talking to me about their story, about the racism that I'm facing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, the gaslighting thing, but they would spend hours. It was like inboxes yeah. and they're calling me and they want to be my friend because if I'm your friend, then I can't be racist. And you're telling me all the reasons why you can't be racist. You haven't done any work. You haven't heard anything that I've said. You haven't asked the hard questions so that we can have a hard conversation. And so that part of it, not only dealing with what was already happening with the industry and then what blew up in our face, but also the heaviness of feeling like people wanted me to hold their stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, here, here, hold my bag of guilt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and so how a lot of people found me was that I, I'm pretty consistent. I have about 8,000 Instagram posts. I'm, I've been consistent, but my conversation about racism and larger bodies and ageism kind of just went out the window and when they did Blackout Tuesday, I believe this was January, I mean, June 2nd of 2020. And everybody was going to go silent, right? And it was, a, a, you know, this combined movement or whatever. And until about 11 o'clock that morning, I was fine. I posted my little square and I was with it. And I went to get lunch. Darlene, I went to get lunch. 
<laughs> and I was sitting in a car and I said, if I don't speak when people are listening, then this whole thing doesn't make sense. I sat in the car, it's burning up outside. I have no air on and I go on this six and a half minute rant. I just lose it, you know? And mm -hmm. I was like, all the stuff I've had to deal with, I, was, I wasn't black enough, I was too black. You know, I was too black to teach Zumba. I was too Chicago to teach yoga. I was too, you know, being called an N-word at work by supervisors who didn't oh. know that I knew. And it was like, I let it all fly out. I let it all fly out. And I am like pouring down sweat. I turn the video off. I take my salad and go home. And my Instagram, I had been gaining and losing the same 50 followers for like two years. <laughs> yeah. And, and my, I know my Instagram was, was picking up so fast that Instagram thought I was a bot. Like they would shut me oh. down and I couldn't follow people back. But I hate that it took that. Mm -hmm. But also it was, it was a platform to, I'm not confrontational in general. I like to disarm people first. So then you can hear what I'm saying. You know, you, I don't fight fire with fire. I mean, I can, that's the Chicago and me, I, I can, but I feel like in order for someone to hear me, I have to say, I want a safe space, but I also want you to feel like you have a safe space. And that this is not the space for me to attack you and belittle you. What I'm doing is setting up the conversation. Are you ready to hear the hard stuff mm -hmm. in a loving way? Um, and I was criticized for that too. Well, and certainly not here. Uh, you know, that, that was the whole point of the, the calling in. And I hope the listener also feels called in, right? We're, yeah. we're opening this can of worms because we want to invite you, the listener, and one another to be reflective about how do we make it better? How do we bring more awareness so that, you know, in my mind, you know, coming from the positive psychology space, it's about well-being. Like, I want to embrace the, the vision that well-being can become a human right and well-being mm -hmm. for all. And that means recognizing where we're getting in our own way of our best intentions. Um, so you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm Darlene Marshall. We are talking about diversity in the wellness space. And my guest is Tasha Edwards. She also hosts the See Her Healthy podcast. Um, and yeah. I'm going to take a, a little left turn. Um, okay. Because one of the things that we had talked about before, and you kind of hinted at it a second ago when you were talking about, um, I think you said, like, you're too Chicago for yoga, <laughs> uh, which is just like, that's uh, a good turn of phrase. But one of the yeah. things that we had talked about was in, in your yoga teaching and in your Pilates education, that there are certain ways that we're instructed to move the body because those traditions are made, you know, the, if we're going far enough back, those traditions are, you know, white dancers or young Indian men. Um, but now they're being applied to different shapes and sizes of bodies and different life conditions. And, and you shared with mm -hmm. me some of the criticisms that you've received. Do you mind speaking a bit to that? I mean, I think you know, I think you know what I'm getting at, but can you talk oh, a little absolutely. bit about what that was and what that looks like? <laughs> I get criticized every day for it. Um, <laughs> and and so one of the things specifically, so so yoga has become a little more evolved, I'm going to say. Now, again, it's still like gang wars, you know, Ashtanga people don't fool with vinyasa. Mm. Vinyasa people don't believe the Iyengar way. And I, you know, so, so it's well, the Iyengar over here, we're like, <laughs> we're, we're ready to throw down. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's still gang wars, but Pilates specifically, and this is because I've spent 
probably the majority of the last few years in the Pilates space, when I didn't know there were gang wars in Pilates too, you know, there was classic versus contemporary. Um, and so the structure, if you look at the fact that Joseph Pilates brought Pilates to the United States, 1923, that's almost a hundred years. Mm -hmm. And the idea that people think that we should still do things exactly as he did blows my mind. Why? I'm not saying they shouldn't for them, but here's this short German guy with no butt. Exercises on his body don't look like they look on mine. And also, if you think the evolution of the human, you know, there was no Netflix and cell phones, you know, where we were all like this all the time. And a lot of dancers used it for rehab. Um, but there came a point that because Pilates felt very underground, people enjoy the exclusivity of that, mm -hmm. just like with, with yoga. So, I mean, I started teaching yoga and Pilates in the gym, which means anybody could come in. So I was always that way. Um, I had a struggle teaching in the studio because of the way people acted when they came to the studio, as if I owed them something extra because it was called the yoga studio. And so as we move through um, bodies changing, the people use the term ob obesity. It's a term that I really dislike. Mm -hmm. But as we're getting, you know, the whole COVID body, these are terms that we have kind of like thrown on ourselves. And now at 40, I just turned 47 last week. And Happy I'm birthday. like, I'm, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in, I'm in menopause. And I'm like, if you tell me to pull my knees to my chest, honey, there is extra skin down there that is not moving. I feel like I'm suffocating. There has to be another way, you know? <laughs> and so I think so many of us are afraid to move away from what we know. Like we know this is true because it's in this book, but we don't trust our own intuition. We don't trust our backgrounds and our experiences and um, our social knowledge, you know? About or we're not trusting we our clients and our students, right? When our client or our student says, this doesn't feel good for my body, we're right. trying to bootstrap them to something we've been indoctrinated in instead of respecting their autonomy, their feedback. And it doesn't matter mm -hmm. whether we're talking about your, your butt and your belly, or we're talking about your car payment when we're in a sales conversation, right? Either yeah. way, I'm disrespecting your situation by projecting my nonsense into it because that's how we make money, you know, because <laughs> it have to be that way, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, if we came from the, from the health coaching perspective, that clients are whole and resourceful all on their own yeah. period. Yeah. But we make money from telling people they are broken and you're broken and I can fix it. And if you just pay me these six payments of 29 99, then I'll send you my five page ebook. And all of a sudden you're cured. Well, there was nothing wrong with you to begin with. So, mm -hmm. It, it's not, I, I, I am not discrediting um, money. It, money is just energy and, and you should be compensated for your work. But it's the way that we talk about it because in order for something to be wrong, it means that we have deemed that something is right mm. instead, of, instead of just what is. If you're wrong, I have to make myself right or I have to make you, you know, you there if you have one you have to have the other but yeah, who gets to decide what is what exactly mm -hmm. who gets to decide what is right and what is wrong as opposed to being what is learning how to keep your mouth closed and take the lead from the client 
the client knows internally, this is giving me a headache. I'm dizzy. Instead of us saying, well, you probably didn't eat. You probably need ginger. You probably didn't eat this. I have Go this roll your thoracic spine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's your, you know, it's your fourth vertebra. And I think what's happening is your psoas is tight. And then if your hip, your pelvis is upside down and you're like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, I said, I said it hurt. Now get me out of it. Yeah. You can know? I just not pull my knee to my chest? Cause that would, exactly. that would be great. Well, exactly. and I think and see that as, 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 as a deficit, you know, or we see yeah. it as lack of discipline. Like you can't do it because you aren't working hard enough. No, I can't do it because my boobs and belly says no. I, yeah. And I, and I can't. Or flip that the other way, we see it as a practitioner as I need to reinforce my authority, my knowledge, my whatever ego-driven thing to prove I've got all the information. So you tell me this hurts. I'm going to go, oh, you got to fix the impingement of the left, whatever the knuckle, instead of just like, oh, then don't do that. Yeah, Um, but it's hard to not do that because- We want to, when you go back, circling back to what you said, imposter syndrome, I want to believe I'm earning my money, which means if you say something to me, then in order to legitimize myself, I have to have an answer, even if I don't know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. Instead of just owning and holding space. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You're listening to Better Than Fine. I'm Darlene Marshall. We are talking about diversity in the wellness space. My guest is Tasha Edwards. And, you know, Tasha, we've unpacked a lot of the challenges, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about privilege. We've talked about calling in. We've talked about some of the, you know, discrimination and just ugly underbelly that you personally have experienced as what to me feels like a, a story of leading the way when you saw a need from your own lived experience. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to leave our listeners with something, something useful to them other than just us, you know, sketching the, the problem that we both see um, and that you experience directly. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, yeah, I live this. I want to be better. I want to be healthy. I want to be stronger. Um, what is that person? What, like, what would you invite them into or what would you want them to know? childlike wonder Hmm. and that is when i ask when i talk to people and they're like i haven't moved i don't know what to do my first question is when you were young what did you like to do and to watch people's face light up when they talk about sliding down you know the sliding board or skating or double dutch which is my you know was my thing or i'd probably break my neck now you probably would but so, but to, to, to then find activities, if I'm working in a movement space, to find activities that resemble what it was that used to give them joy. Because we have taken the joy out of movement. Oh, yeah. Period. And so when people find joy and there aren't rules around it, they're more likely to grow and not even realize that they're working. The other thing is I highly recommend um, therapy and I do realize that therapy is a privilege. So I'm gonna Mm -hmm. say this other thing is that all of us need someone that we can trust because we have been walking around with all of this on us so much and squats are amazing if you can get out of the bed to do them. If you are Mm -hmm. extremely depressed (laughs) and you don't know your way, 
a squat or a kale salad recipe is not going to help you. And so it is to feel like that it is okay to ask for help. It is okay to share with someone you trust that you are struggling because once you can get it out, you can take that energy and put it into something else. I'm not saying you need to go sign up at the Pilates studio because that may not be your answer. It may be go outside and blow bubbles. Something as simple as what's going to get me out of the bed? What am I living for right now? Why is it worth it for me to fight back? Even if it's not a, you know, Tybo punch, it might be a pebbles and bam, bam, small movement, but it's these small steps that are taking us to bigger steps. But we want to see the whole, as Martin Luther King said, you don't have to see the whole staircase. That's faith is to take that one small step and one small step consistently, regardless of what it is, builds up. But when you find out, when you realize I have something to live for, I have something to give to the world, I have children and grandchildren, parents, grandparents that I want to live for and be my best. I want to break the generational curse over my family. You Mm -hmm. may not know what to do, but what you'll do is figure out how to get up. And once Mm -hmm. you get up, then we can start from there. Oh, beautifully unpacked. Beautifully unpacked. There is one thing that I had really wanted to cover in today's episode. We'll have to have you back on to to talk about it, but we we didn't get to talk about social determinants. Mm. And as you were sharing that, your thoughts there, and you mentioned, you know, the kale salad and squats don't matter if you can't get out of bed. They also don't matter if you don't have a grocery store that has kale or you don't have a gym nearby, right? Yes, ma'am. Starting where you are is internal about like, okay, what I actually need is the reason to get up. And it is also external with like, what resources do I have right now? And what can I do with them instead of trying to do some optimized person, you know, perfect thing, Um, which I want to flip this question one more degree, which is, okay, if we're speaking there to the person who hears themselves as the receiver in the conversation, what about the person who sees themselves as the privileged in the conversation? What would Mm -hmm. you want the listener who it is the thing we are talking about, right? The, the the person who is holding keys, the person who can have all the search they want. How do we as an industry move forward in a thoughtful and open-hearted way? Shift resources without feeling like you need to be deemed as savior to do it. You know, um, it is... There are people who are sitting on resources and I will tell you, I work with someone and they were like, yeah, we have a scholarship, but you have to work so many hours because, you know, we're not basically not giving you something for free. Then it's not a scholarship. It's work study, (laughs) you know, and here's the thing. If you're doing an online class or certification, it's not hurting you to have one other person in there. People need to put their money where their mouth is. The first thing we need is resources. We don't need a lot of conversations, forget your Instagram posts. I don't care if you ever get on social media again, do the groundwork, find out where the need is and get there because there, there's enough needs that no one needs to be able to say, I don't know where to go. Donate money if you don't have the time. Um, donate services if you don't have anything to quote unquote give. You have equipment, get equipment to people. You know, you have little fitness stuff over here you're not using get it. You have some workout clothes, get it. Whatever you need to get to people, stop talking, start doing without expecting anything 
like, you know, someone to like your post because you took a picture of you giving water to a homeless person, like that sort of thing. No. Yeah. Tangible, actionable. That isn't about glorifying the self. Yeah. Let's get moving. I dig it. Tasha, where could people find you if they are feeling inspired in this moment? I am a self-proclaimed Instagram junkie, which is probably where I am the most. <laughs> and my Instagram is hip healthy chick, H-I-P-H-E-A-L-T-H-Y, chick with a K, C-H-I-C-K. And my website, which as soon as I stop all this traveling, darling, I'm going to really get back to it. But my website is Tasha Your website's Edwards. great. <laughs> TashaEdwards.com. And you can kind of just uh, find me in different places from there, but I answer my own inbox. So if mm-hmm. you inbox me, you're talking to me, you know, and my thing is, no, I can't have three hour conversations with everyone about their guilt, but tell me you're connected with me. Tell me, Hey, this is what we're doing. I want to know that you're there so we can learn from each other. Yeah. That's why I follow you. I've already yeah. learned from you. I follow her too. Yeah. Jump on with me. Uh, if you have reactions to this episode, we want to hear from you. So you can DM Tasha. Mm-hmm. You could also DM me. I'm Darlene.coach on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. If you are digging this episode, you want to like, comment, share it. You can also subscribe on whatever platform you happen to be listening to. Or mm-hmm. if you want to support the show, you could leave us a review. That would be awesome. Um, but Tasha, thank you so much for being on Better Than Fine. Uh, it's been a delight to have you. And I appreciate your vulnerability and your open heartedness. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm here for the conversations. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have to have you back to talk about social reference uh, at some point. But we're going to leave for it For sure. There.